Hi, I'm Steve Adovato. This is Lessons in Leadership, and it would not be Lessons in Leadership if we were not for our executive producer and co-host, Mary Gamba. Mary, how are we doing today? I'm doing really great, Steve. How are you? Doing great. We're taping this program in a very critical moment in, for our country, for uh, the world. Uh, it is the 6th of October. This will be seen after that, Mary. Let's uh, put things into context in terms of, uh, no matter what date it is, who is helping us do this program in terms of our sponsors. Let's plug. Let's let's plug. Uh, we're, we've gotten really good at that with Lessons in Leadership for sure. And just some of our great sponsors include Valley Bank. We have Prager Metis, Gibbons PC, as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. So we'd love to thank them for making this all possible. And uh, one of our longtime friends are about to bring on camera right now, Mike Marin who is in fact the uh, CEO of the president CEO of Holy Name Medical Center, one of our longtime funders on the public broadcasting side. Mike, how you doing, my friend? Very good, Steve. Thanks for having me this morning. So Mike, um, we've talked about leadership. You and I have been talking about leadership for a decade or more. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're taping on the 6th, this has nothing to do with the presidential election. We don't know who's gonna be elected president, but President mm -hmm. Trump tested positive for COVID um, literally a few days before we're doing this, in, out of the hospital. We don't know what's going to happen. Cross our fingers that regardless, uh, he and his family are well. Mike, you sent a message to the president through an article that I believe was an ROI, correct? Correct. Yes. And the message was what about taking care of himself and being a strong leader, which regardless of who the president is after the election, is still relevant for everyone watching right now? Sure. Sure. So, uh, you know, as someone who, who contracted the virus himself early on, uh, you know, lessons learned from experience. Take it you, seriously. You, Mike, when, were you, when did you um, get test positive, Mike, and deal with it? So, so I tested positive on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. Um, I had symptoms, you know, building the week before, uh, tested positive on the 17th, and then was out for two weeks after that um, recouping. Uh, so it, it uh, and for me, I'm someone uh, never gets sick. Uh, I'm an active individual, play a lot of sports, um, constantly moving. And so it, it, this one set me on my back for at least four days where, where I was uh, just couldn't move. The fatigue was, was incredible. You came back, you said too soon, correct, Mike? I did. I did. Uh, I, I felt an obligation. I said, I don't regret it. Uh, you know, once I knew I wasn't contagious and that I could uh, conduct myself in a reasonable fashion, I felt an obligation, you know, to the organization here. Holy Name, as you know, was the epicenter of the, uh, the pandemic back in March and April. And, and for me not to be here visible, helping uh, uh, engage with the staff here who were just working day and night, uh, dealing with all sorts of issues. I felt was irresponsible. So I pushed myself. I came back when I was probably only at 60% uh, of my ability, um, and which is kind of what I did the first week when I had the symptoms, uh, I, which was foolish in hindsight. And that's my one message. Don't ignore the symptoms. Don't think it's the flu. Don't think it's because you're working long hours, which is what I did and, and said, well, I'm working long hours. I'm not eating right. This, it's, not, it's not the virus. It's just something else. Uh, you have to be honest with yourself first. And if you're honest with yourself, that'll trickle down to everybody around you and it's the responsible thing to do. But Mike, before Mary jumps in, this is the thing I keep thinking about. Strength. A leader, he or she has to be strong, cannot appear to be vulnerable, weak, uh, sick. At this time, as we speak, President Trump's the president. 
He'll be the president either way, win or lose, uh, till into January. I believe he believes, and again, take your politics, leave it to yourself, this is about leadership. That strength is about showing that you're stronger than the virus, you say. Uh, I say yes, but there, there's also strength in sort of humility, and which we haven't seen a lot of. Uh, and I talk about this often, right? So you have to know your limitations. You have to know we are not infallible. We are all, sub, you know, we're, we're, life is fragile. Uh, and this virus has taught us that beyond. And it also taught us that survival is dependent on uh, that mutual respect and interconnectivity. So if you think about it, Steve, the whole thing today, right? There's a lot of controversy. People still don't understand why they wear masks. What are we doing this for? Because the message changed as the virus changed, right? But to me, the, the way, best way- right here, I want to be clarified. We're taping in our home. Um, Scarlin's here, our team, everyone is separated. When we are together in any, with any degree of being in close to six feet, this comes on. Mike, I know you do the same thing. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, absolutely, Steve. Uh, and so the reason, so I had the virus, I know I don't have it now, right? There really is no reason for me to wear a mask clinically for myself, but that's not why we wear, wear masks. We wear masks so that you can feel confident because you don't know my condition when I run into you on the street or in a hallway. And so you, I am by me wearing a mask, I am signaling that I respect you and I'm protecting you from me should I have the virus? It's not one the other point. way around. Well, one quick point, uh, Mary. Uh, over Mike's left shoulder is lessons in leadership. I, you know, I don't want to plug, but I happen to see it. <laughs> one of the chapters in that book, and Mary was a key to writing that book, was you cannot lead others until, Mary, you learn to lead whom? Yeah, until you learn to lead yourself. Is that, is that what this is about, Mike, leading yourself? Absolutely. Absolutely, Steve. Yeah, this, is, this is the opportune moment to lead by example. Be honest and truthful with yourself. There's, there, there's strength in that. It's not a weakness. And to admit that you have the virus and that the virus is serious and that the virus is having an impact on me. Uh, now, the virus has changed a little bit. So the people we see are nowhere near as acutely ill as they were back in March and April. As but we to speak. the president, yes, as no, absolutely. Uh, and we don't know, right? It could change again. So, which is not typical on a coronavirus, but nothing about this virus has been typical from the get-go. So I think the lesson learned is, is there is a respect and you get more strength in leadership by demonstrating respect for your fellow man than by trying to prove that you're infallible and you're stronger than the virus, right? That's just not, that message gets lost. Mary Gamba, all yours. Yeah, thank you, Steve. So, Mike, you know, one of the biggest leadership traits is empathy, but empathy is really just, you know, trying to put yourself into someone's shoes. You've actually been able to put yourself in the shoes of people who are living and dealing with COVID. How has that changed your perspective on leadership moving forward? In other words, with your team, with the patients that you interact with, how has that changed your, your perspective on leadership, leadership in terms of how you interact with your, um, your team? Well, it, it reinforced a number of things, Mary. I, so to me, being able to be visible, to be on the front line, to interact with people, that should not be underestimated. There are a lot of people who tried to lead from the corporate office or the, you know, that wasn't even attached to the hospital, never visited the emergency room, never walked into the ICU, never actually saw hands-on what was happening to the individuals in the middle of the crisis. 
And to me, that experience, visualizing that, seeing it, was just uh, unprecedented. And it gave you greater insight as to how to communicate, how to respond, how to support the individuals who were there. And it gave you strength to say, you know what, if they're doing this and they're having to put themselves much longer than you are because you're passing through, they're, the, the, the doctors, the nurses, the other staff who are on the front lines, you know, eight, 16 hours a day because they were working long days, you had to, you could not help but be touched by them, by their commitment. And that then said, I need to do more. I need to work harder. I need to find that PPE for them to keep them safe. I need to re-engineer and re-innovate re how we're delivering care to keep them safe, given what's going on. And so that's a big, big uh, part of this. And to me, that leadership, that being able to be on the front lines, if I don't like drawing uh, military analogies, but it'd be like a general on a field of battle, but he stays in behind the field of battle and looks from a hilltop safe as opposed sure. to the general who leads by, by actually getting engaged in the battle with his troops. And I'm sure, uh, that, I'm sure that gets your team behind you a lot more too, having, seeing you out there, seeing that you're with them, you're by, them, by their side. I mean, that must definitely get them to buy into the day-to-day -day and, and definitely give them a little bit of spark just going in and doing what they need to do on a day-to-day -day basis. It absolutely does. And it shows them most of all, which we heard overwhelmingly here, not just from my staff, but from staffs from other hospitals who heard and saw what we were doing. We care about you, and that care is mutual, right? And that's that. That to me is one of the best leadership examples. Is everything is mutual? It's mutual respect. It's mutual response. It's mutual understanding. And it, it's got. It's a two-way street. And if you if you treat that in a non-arrogant, empathetic way, as you said earlier, where everybody understands, much much more effective, and people will follow you. How about this? Uh, leaders sometimes say, I don't want to panic people. I don't want to tell them I'm going to play it down. Again, the president, President Trump did say that at a certain point. Um, and that was his strategy. And you know what? He's in that position. I'm not in that position. None of us are. Mike is the closest leading an extraordinarily um, critically important organization with lots. They're the first ones hit hard. But here's the thing. How about Churchill, World War II, FDR, World War II, except he said the only thing to fear is fear itself, which is confusing to me. Because should we be fearful, A, and B, how candid should a leader be about how bad a situation is if he or she doesn't want to panic people? Well, it's a, it's a great question, Steve. Uh, so fear is a very, very powerful force, right? And you're never going to counter fear by creating a new fear or a different fear. That doesn't work. So you absolutely have to pay a line. Look, I made that same mistake, if you will, to some degree. Early on, I downplayed my illness. When I was doing, when I came back and I was first doing my, my early interviews, everybody asked, even when I was still out, how you feeling? I said, I'm fine. It's a mild case because you didn't want to cause panic. You didn't want to, you took your, your wow. position seriously. So I absolutely downplayed for me and my family how, how bad it was or how we, I wasn't honest because I Do didn't want people that, worrying about me. Sorry. One of the things about lessons in leadership is we ask ourselves, if we had a mulligan in golf, a do-over, would you have done it the same way, differently? Yes and no, because at the time, right, fear was just paramount, and you didn't want to create panic. The other thing you have to remember, even today, after all these months, there's still so much about this virus we don't know. And that's the other failure in leadership. It's okay to step up and say, we just don't know yet. It's not that we're dumb. It's not, it's not an indication of, of inferiority. 
it's an indication of reality. We That's don't right. know. The smartest minds in the world are working this, but it just doesn't work that fast. And this virus changes. So, so it's okay to say we don't know. Um, go ahead. No, no, Mike, it's just I'm realizing more, the more we talk, and we've had so many conversations with you and other leaders about this. We, 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 Mary, we feel the need to, we're in control. I've got this. We've got this because we show strength. And Mike is sitting there saying, if we don't know, we don't know. And I'm sitting there confused because on one hand, you want to show confidence, even if it's false. But on the other hand. Yeah, no, right, sometimes Mary. people need to and want to hear hey, you want to know what? I, I don't know. And, but when I do know, I'm going to give you the information because what's even worse is pretending or faking it, giving the wrong information, and then a week or a month down the line saying, whoops, sorry, we gave you the wrong information. Well, you told me you knew then, so how do you know now? So then that snowballs, and then yeah. over time, you do lose the confidence in your core audiences. Well said, Mike, yeah. 30 seconds, you get the last word. Go ahead. So, yeah, Steve, I think it's important through all this, right? And you brought up Churchill and, and FDR before. So Churchill had a great quote, right? And he said, truth is the most powerful weapon in the world. So powerful, it is often protected by a bodyguard of lies. And what's happened with us is we have forgotten, a lot of it's the media, a lot of it's the headlines. We go for snippets. We don't read in depth. We, we look at a headline, we draw conclusions. And so you got to manage in a world where communication now is coming in a matter of limited characters and sound bites because people don't read in depth and you only have a short window to communicate. But to protect, to hide the truth behind a bodyguard of lies doesn't help in the long run. And ultimately it will come back and it creates more confusion and more anger. And it's better to just deal with it up front a little more truthfully, a little more direct, being very sensitive to who you're dealing with. You know, Mary, as we wrap up with Mike, one of the things I, I've always appreciated about our conversations with Mike is that they make us think. Every conversation, he challenges uh, the conventional wisdom. He's dealing with it. He dealt with COVID uh, personally. He had to manage and lead through it. Um, he's learning every day. And one of the things about lessons in leadership that we push all the time is great leaders are lifelong learners, and that's Mike Marin. Hey, Mike, thank you. All the best to you and your family and the team at Holy Name. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Mary. An honor to be here. Same, same honor to have you. I'm Steve Adubato. That's Mary Gamba. We'll be right back. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is brought to you by Gibbons PC, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. Hi, I'm Eric. You might see me as an ordinary person, but I've been living with a brain injury for nearly two years. One of my struggles is short-term memory loss. At Opportunity Project, I'm given hope and support and I've gained my commerce back through the job placement program. Despite my challenges, I have a reason to keep improving. Today, even though life has changed me, I believe that anything is possible. If you have a brain injury, you don't have to face your road to recovery alone. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gabba has been provided by NJ On Air, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership. Steve Adubato with 
Mary Gamba. Mary, biggest takeaway from Mike Marin's compelling conversation? Well, Mike is always compelling. I feel we could just have him on every day and we would never run out of topics to talk to him about. And he uh, shared his message with experiencing uh, COVID himself and just the importance of taking it seriously, taking the time to get well, and also using the lessons that you've learned from that to apply them to your day-to-day -day moving forward because we don't know what's coming next as we're taping today. You said on October 6th, we don't know when this airs. Um, hopefully there is not a huge second wave, but you need to be prepared as a leader. But you know, let's follow up on this. And by the way, we're about to go into an interview with uh, Essex County Clerk, Chris Durkin. Um, Chris um, is not only responsible for election management in Essex County, but also comes from a family of leaders in government and law and politics. And we talked about the significance of leadership and legacy, the family legacy and what responsibility you have. So just wanna set that up. So this is the last conversation, last time Mary and I have to, to break things down and introduce Chris Durkin. But this is the thing I'm curious about, Mary. Um, you may not realize this, um, but I'm getting up there in age. No, really? It, Come on now. Yeah. And so here's the reality. I want to make sure that I don't come across as vulnerable, that I come across as strong, that I come across as in control, that I come across as vibrant, blah, 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 blah. But the reality is, regardless of your age, but as you get older, you do become more vulnerable. Question, how much should a leader, should he or she, let their team know that they're physically, from a health point of view and from other perspectives, challenged, struggling? It's a fine line. You want to make sure that you let your team know that you too are human. If you try to come off as being superhuman, as being better than, it definitely will challenge your team because they're not going to know the true you and you've got a genuine. And Mike Marin talked about it a lot in the interview. He talked about truth as a powerful leadership trait. But on the flip side, you don't want to come off as seeing, uh, being seen as a whiner, being seen as a complainer, being seen as someone that- Mary, what's the one word? Wow. <laughs> Why do you do it? Mary. If you just said, come across mm -hmm. as real and honest, even if you're a little vulnerable, sure. I'm worried about, not worried, but I'm aware of you saying, wah, which there, is, you're calling me a baby. No, so I there, don't get it. What is it? There is a fine line between being seen as a complainer, being someone seen as a chronic half, glass half empty kind of a person and being <laughs> honest and truthful that when you have COVID, you aren't feeling your best. And because then you're also going to then pass the reins if you need to, to someone else who can really step up and take over some of your responsibilities if needed. So you're just showing that you are human. So and human is a very important leadership trait the last time I checked. Do you know something interesting? Do you remember a while back, um, I was in one of the New Jersey hospitals and um, I had, I don't know what, I had a di some sort of dissection going on, like whatever. They were worried about a uh, blood clot. And you remember that I was supposed to do an in-depth series of interviews connected to the late, great Dr. Clement Price. And it was a public event. And I wanted to do it. And the team was like, what are you, nuts? And the doctor was like, you can't do it. And Joanna Gagas, who's on the great news team at uh, NJ Spotlight News, NJTV, she was with our production team at the time. And she stepped up and did an awesome job. There was a part of me that was like, I don't want to give that up. I want to show that I can do it. That would have been a mistake. That would have been a huge mistake because number one, you have a great team and you had Joanna there to step up as she always uh, does and filled in in that role and leaning on your team not only sends a message internally to the team that you trust them, but it sends an outward facing message to those that are tuning in. Hey, Steve's got a really great support team. It's not just all about Steve. And that's a really important message as well. You know, it's, it's, it's again, succession whether in the White House or production company or your organization or school, the principal, the vice principal, whoever it is, 
succession, having someone ready to step up is critical. By the way, setting this up for Chris Durkin. Chris is a terrific guy. We've known each other for years. Our fa we're family friends. Right? We go back a long way with my dad and his dad. And, um, and also, all, trust me, you'll hear the conversation about family and legacy. And look, it's one thing to have a parent or both parents or family members that were leaders that puts pressure on you. But what about us who consider ourselves leaders who put pressure on our own kids? Right, Mary and I mm -hmm. talk about this all the time. Leadership and legacy, a conversation with Essex County Clerk, Chris Durkin. Steve Adubato here for Lessons in Leadership. Um, one of the great things about this program is that Mary Gamba, my co-anchor and uh, executive producer, gets to talk to all different kinds of leaders. And this is pretty um, unconventional. Chris Durkin, who you see on camera, is the Essex County Clerk, runs all the elections and and administers a whole range of things in the county. But Chris comes from a family of leaders. His dad was the chair of the state Democratic Party in New Jersey. Uh, you have some other relatives, let's say, Chris, that have been pretty actively involved in the governmental process, fair to say? That's fair to say. Some of yes, them include? Uh, Governor Dick Cody. Um, Is he what, cousin? Cousin, it's my cousin. That's my mother's side. Uh, my mother's a Cody. Uh, Ray Cody. Lawyers in the family, very prominent attorneys. Judges and lawyers, that's right. Yes, great examples. All leaders, right? All leaders. You Absolutely. may wonder where I'm going here, right, Chris? Chris yes. and I go back a long way together. Um, and we talk a lot about family. And he has a family legacy of leadership. I have a family legacy. You can look up my dad, Steve Adubato Sr., my sisters, uh, Michelle and Teresa, all doing important work, my mom as well who was the chair of the Democratic Party in uh, one big section of Newark growing up as a kid. It's not about politics, Chris, it's about leadership and legacy. Question, how much pressure was put on you growing up in the family you grew up with so many leaders of all stripes, accomplishing important things to be a leader? Well, there was pressure, but it wasn't pressure, it wasn't overt pressure. It was uh, pressure that, uh, you know, through example, uh, you know, I come to, I came to realize, you know, just how important it is to give back uh, to a community that has given us so much. Uh, and the examples were abundant. I mean, every day, uh, I just watched my parents and my, my relatives uh, and your father and mother uh, just give uh, without expectation, uh, just give to the community, knowing that, you know, that's, that's the, you know, that's what we do uh, to give back and to earn our keep uh, as Americans. What does that have to do with leadership? Uh, everything to do with leadership. Uh, you, know, you know, our kids look, look to leadership. They look to examples. Uh, and we need to set examples uh, every day uh, for the future generations. I mean, not just our kids, for everyone in the community. Uh, you know, it's so important uh, to show those examples, uh, to know that that's the right side to be on, the side of giving, um, you know, and not keeping score. Uh, it's, it's all about, you know. Oh, what do you mean not keeping score? Your dad you and my dad, um, quote, back in the day, old school leaders, not exactly the same style, uh, but I'll particularly say this for my dad, and you, you know my dad very well. My dad's been struggling with dementia for about 10 years now. Uh, but back in the day, Chris, my dad kept score, sorry. <laughs> he kept score, I'll say this. Because you know it. No, no, I, do. I did know that. But he kept score for the community. It wasn't for his personal gain. It was for the community. It was, if he was given more, he could do more. That's what it's about. It's, it's the empowerment of his leadership, the empowerment 
of the, you know, of the organization that he built. And then that's what it was about. It wasn't so he could go on a, on a vacation. It was about empowering him so that he could do more for the community. And that's what I mean about keeping score. He kept score if you weren't delivering for the community. Oh, yeah, you were that's in those meetings. I forgot that yes. you were in those meetings, Chris, that he ran. <laughs> I'm a believer. I'm a believer. You're a believer. I, I had no choice but to be a believer. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to turn this on you uh, in this way. I'm a big believer that leadership, being a leader also requires us to have mentors and people who take a shot with us, people who believe in us. And, and it wouldn't be appropriate for me to say this on the public broadcasting side, but I will say it here. So when I was 24 turning 25, do the math, it was a long time ago, in the mid 1980s, and, and I wanted to run for the state legislature, just out of graduate school. And I went to your father, who was the chairman of the party. And I said, Mr. Chairman, I'd like to run. <laughs> he said, first thing he asked me is, do you have your father's support? And I said, no, he thinks I'm a sure loser. I can never win. And to, without, without dragging this out, your dad said to me, how hard are you willing to work? And I told him, I said, I work full time. I'll knock on every door. He said, you know, you're a very long shot. Nobody in this party has ever won that seat ever. And I said, Mr. Chairman, I'll give it everything I have, blah, 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 blah. Your father took a shot on me at 25 years of age running for the state legislature. And miraculously, don't ask me how, but I won that seat. Two years later, I lost the seat. But the point I'm making is that if your dad had not given me a chance to step up, I would never have had that experience to be a state representative at 25, 26 years of age. And then losing, which was a good lesson itself. Point being, how important is mentorship in your life and someone taking a shot with you? for you know and be on your behalf the most important it's it's all about belief and my father saw talent in you and that's and that was my father's greatest gift he could see talent uh, he could read people uh and my father is attributed with uh, a quote uh that says my word is my bond until circumstances change uh, and and he talks about that because of ron brown uh, who was the commerce secretary under bill clinton he was supporting our uh, speaker of the house in california uh out of san francisco a mentor of well, Kamala Harris. Go ahead. So Ron, no, that's Willie Brown. Ron oh, Brown. Willie Brown. So, Ron, Ron Brown from Harlem. Terrible. Yeah. Accident. I apologize. Crash. Bill Clinton's uh, Secretary of that's Commerce. Right. My bad. Uh, and my father was supporting the National Democratic Party. National Democratic Chairman. And my father was supporting a different uh, gentleman uh, from the Midwest, and then he met Ron Brown, and he saw the talent uh, and the future in Ron Brown, and he supported, changed his support, and that was the quote where the quote came from, and he changed his support to Ron Brown. Ron Brown became the first African-American Democratic National Chairman, uh, and, and my father credits that with being, you know, one of his greatest accomplishments, uh, but that, that's the gift, is you need, everyone needs mentors. Uh, no man is an island, no woman is an island, so we, we, need, we need help, uh, and everyone needs help in this community. Uh, we're all in this together. Uh, Final question for you. You have amazing. a lot of kids. I have a lot of kids. Yes. Uh, we yes. grew up at a certain time, even though we're not exactly the same age. You're a lot younger than I am. Um, we had that pressure. We knew if we screwed up in any way, the hammer would come down hard. Yes. We were being watched. All the time. All and the time. not just by parents, but by others. That being said, can you, do you try to teach leadership to your kids? Yes. I mean, every day. Every day, it's uh, verbal lessons, but more importantly, it's lessons by example. You know, that's if they see uh, you doing the right thing, 
That's everything. It's much more important than the talk uh, is the action. And I try and do that, impart that every day uh, on my children and all the children in the community, uh, everyone I meet. And that's, I think that's the greatest lesson is it's all by example. Chris Durkin from the School of Hard Knocks, <laughs> the Durkin family. Um, hey, Chris, thanks for joining us on Lessons in Leadership, buddy. Thank you, Steve. I've been blessed and uh, blessed to have your friendship. Uh, let me put you on the spot before I let you go. Chris, in high school, is it not true? You know where I'm going. I do. I was a place kicker. You were a punter. You had the longest punt in the history of interscholastic sports at the time. How many yards was it? 91 yards. I had a strong wind at my back, right? It was, I was in the end zone against Seton Hall Prep, uh, and it was, a, it was a one in a million, one in a million kick. <laughs> Now, Chris, now I'm pressured to say when I was at SS Catholic playing for them that I broke a record for place kicking, but that would be a lie. <laughs> and leaders don't lie. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Take care. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is brought to you by Gibbons PC, Prager Medicine, Valley Bank, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ On Air, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine. Hi, I'm Eric. You might see me as an ordinary person, but I've been living with a brain injury for nearly two years. One of my struggles is short-term memory loss. At Opportunity Project, I'm given hope and support, and I've gained my comments back through the job placement program. Despite my challenges, I have a reason to keep improving. Today, even though life has changed me, I believe that anything is possible. If you have a brain injury, you don't have to face your road to recovery alone.